On this week's episode of the podcast, we go back to our roots. And by our roots, I mean our mother's roots. And by our mother's roots, I mean Brazil, baby. Brazil, like pseudo-roots. Like pseudo-roots, the kind of step roots that we have. Yes. Drew, I'm talking today about the glitz and glamour of 1980s soccer in Brazil. And one of the greatest players to never play the game. Buckle up. This is Deadball Brothers. Welcome to Deadball Brothers, a weekly podcast about soccer and history with a healthy dose of stupidity like a cold glass of oat milk on your lactose intolerant stomach. Well, actually, oat milk is good for your lactose intolerant stomach. Right, that's why it's a healthy dose. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was just thinking that it was stupid for you to drink oat milk. I thought that's what you were trying to the say. The stupidity is good for you, is what I'm saying. The stupidity is healthy. Yeah, okay, yeah. Not only, sense. it's a little pun, yeah, it's a pun on it. the size, but also yeah. on it being healthy. I'm tracking now. Good. I got it, yeah. I'm everybody's least favorite athletic writer, Adam Whitaker Snavely, joined as always by my real-life brother. Drew Snavely? Uh, what was that, the wheel? <laughs> question mark? <laughs> question mark? Hey, at least it's not as big of a question mark as Freddie Lundberg being at uh, the wheel. Yeah, he's, man, if he wasn't the interim manager, if he was like the full-time manager, I think he'd already be sacked. Because Arsenal have been terrible. He just said today, the I, I was like, the stones on this man. He just <laughs> said today, he was like, after the game, I want Arsenal to make a decision on whether or not I'm going to be here through the end of the season. And I was what? like, what What a pair this man has after that game <laughs> when like, Manchester City ran you over <laughs> like you were a Tonka truck. Freddie, what kind of <laughs> leverage do you have, man? You're not really in a position to negotiate. Like, I will say one thing about Freddie Jungberg in that it's uh, he has a great Twitter handle. Somehow mm. he just got at Freddie. That's oh, all it is. Nice. I'm like, that's perfect. Man, I feel like Freddie Adu should have that. Well, Freddie has IE at the end. Uh, Freddie Adu is a Y. Gotcha. That's a little difference. True. A little difference between I wonder if Freddie Adu Scandinavia is Freddie then. No, oh, Freddie Adu is probably Freddie Adu. Uh. Whatever. I would imagine. Whatever, I guess. <laughs> Drew, how are you feeling about Manchester United? Uh, uh, it's depressing, and the only thing that can pick me up from this uh, state of slothiness, I think, mm-hmm. is a Buffalo Bills victory tonight against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But give we'll them, probably give them lose. a big old flex. We'll probably lose. No, we're winning this game. We're winning this game. We're winning this game. No, it's, it's just disappointing that we can get really good results against City and Spurs and then uh, draw a... <laughs> Can't beat Everton. A, a relegated Everton side. Ooh, relegated. I mean, they're... Making that call already, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Big predictions. Uh, that is missing, like, eight of their starters through injury. True that. Uh, at Old Trafford, it's, it's sad. It's depressing. It's, Ooh, talk about a... Uh, talk about a... A little bit of a shocker there with... Uh, Moise Keen. Yeah. Getting yeah. subbed in in the 70th minute and then subbed out 18 minutes later. Not a great look. A terrible look. A terrible look. Like a really. A one, I'm convinced that one of the worst looks you can have as a manager is if you sub a player off, back off, through like not via injury or um, like somebody got a red card or something like that. Like that's one of the worst looks you can have. Yeah. I mean, it's almost. 
I feel like it's worse for the manager because you just waste completely wasted a sub. You completely wasted a sub, and now I the feel wrong like decision. now I feel like the chances that Moise Keane ever playing for Everton again are like slim to none. I feel like a lot of managers like big D, big D, big, the big D, the big D, the biggest D, <laughs> big dunk is. I mean, he's. I didn't re, uh, listen to his his post match comments, uh, but I'm sure that he. We'll blame it on Moise Keen, Kian, and and also the juice got you oh. feeling loose. Oh gosh, blame it on Patron. Got you in the zone. All right, <laughs> this is two weeks in a row now. Yeah, where we're no, referencing some uh, early two thousands rap and R and B. Man, Patron was big back then. Patron, people were big on Patron. They were all about it. Blame it on the. All right. You have a story for us. I do, and I'm glad that we talked about already people that are making some pretty bold and out there decisions. Okay. Because uh, the subject of today's little history lesson, uh, today's little soccer classroom, is one who absolutely just just the biggest, the biggest decisions, the biggest brain plays. Mm. Um some of the some of the boldest choices I think I've ever seen and ever come across while researching for for this podcast, um, and we are talking about Brazil. Yeah, we're talking about specifically one Brazilian soccer player, and he played primarily. Uh, he started in like the mid seventies, like his youth career, and then his playing career was primarily the eighties and nineties. Um, okay, and so when you think about Brazil in that time period, Brazil. Brazil is kind of coming off of their their reign of dominance, which was really the 70s internationally. They had super dominant teams. And then they had this whole generation of players that kind of like were really, really good, but didn't uh, actually win like a World Cup trophy. So you had players like Zico yeah. um, and kind of that generation where where it feels like they, they possibly underperformed, but still nonetheless, they... They kind of go down as some of the best players in Brazilian history. Yeah, and when you think about some of the best players in Brazilian history, you know, there's a litany. There's yeah. so many, way too many, way too many to count. Way too many to count. But I want to talk about one specific one that I bet you have never heard of, and the one, and he is. As I Wait, said, can I guess? Vag- oh, please, Wagner Love. No, no, it's not. <laughs> All right, Love. that was my guess. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad though. I'm, gl- I'm happy that you had a guess. The, the greatest to ever do it in one very specific facet of the game, Carlos Enrique Raposo. Okay. Raposo. 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 Carlos was born on April 2nd, 1963, in Rio Pardo, Brazil. Or, he was born on July 2nd of that year in Porto Alegre. If there is one thing <laughs> that you should know about this story, it's that the truth is going to be fast and loose... Because of the mythology that's built up around this guy. Yeah, that's what I like to hear. getting to the truth is actually going to be slightly difficult at times. Gotcha. Um, Just know that. The multiple birthdays are because the man himself has given multiple origin stories for himself. Oh, yes. For what it's worth, I'm pretty certain that the April 2nd date and Rio Pardo are the correct answers here. Um, He would soon come to live in the famous Byzantine streets of Rio de Janeiro... His parents probably moved there. At one point, he said he was kidnapped and brought there. Pretty sure that's a complete lie. Um, and that's where he would grow up. Okay. And he had a dream. Similar to streams 
of so many children all across Brazil. Carlos wanted to be a soccer player. He played for hours and hours with other boys on whatever field he could, and soon he got himself a nickname. The other kids called him Kaiser. Kaiser? Because they said he looked like Franz Beckenbauer. Oh, okay. And that was Franz Beckenbauer's name. Cool. He also said the people that I was around were idiots and couldn't pronounce Franz Beckenbauer, and so they, they found out his nickname was Kaiser, and they could pronounce that, so they called me Kaiser. Kaiser. For the record, he looks like very, very, like maybe a tiny little bit like like Franz Beckenbauer. Like there was a passing resemblance. It's like the closest uh, South American, like somebody who's, who's born in South America to South American parents can look like Franz Beckenbauer. Just a, a very classic German, German. man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and Kaiser in German is a king. Yes. So so keep that in mind. That's okay. important. So he, he kind of comes up, th- this nickname follows him around, and he then is referred to as Carlos Kaiser or the Kaiser. Okay. That's that's kind of the, the two nicknames that follow him around. So from now on, just know that I'm going to be calling him either Kaiser or Carlos Kaiser. Okay. That's all you got to know. You got me thinking about Kaiser rolls, man. <laughs> now I just want one. Ah, uh, classic Buffalo fare. <laughs> Give me a beef on weck. <laughs> Soon enough, around the age of 10, Carlos Kaiser, as he began to be known, was spotted by a scout for Botafogo and invited to play in their youth academy. Kaiser was a center forward, and throughout his career, he displayed impressive athleticism and physical qualities that attracted teams to him. There was also certainly some prowess on the field as a young boy to earn an initial interest in him from a club. However, one thing soon became apparent about the Kaiser. He wasn't a very good soccer player. <laughs> okay. Um, he just wasn't very good with the ball at his feet. That's something that is perhaps slightly less of a concern as a very young player. Um, and Kaiser was happy to run around, play with the other boys. After a brief stint with Botafogo, he played in academy teams uh, with Brazilian giants Flamengo for, a free, oh, for wow. a few years. At the age of 16, after a particularly impressive training session, Carlos Kaiser was invited to sign his first professional contract with Puebla. In Mexico. Okay. It's a bit this of a change. Is, this is Liga MX? Um, or... I don't know if at the time if it was uh, Liga MX. Um, but uh, it was it was in Mexico, yes. it was the, And it was the top yeah, yeah, Mexican yeah. league. Okay, cool. I, I just don't know if that was the name yeah, of the league yeah, yeah, at yeah. the time. But the equivalent of it today. Yes. Okay, yes. cool. Now, Carlos Kaiser's time in Mexico, like most of his time, pretty much anywhere is somewhat open to interpretation. Okay. Kaiser himself told uh, 442 Magazine in 2017, as soon as I arrived there, I wanted to go home. He didn't like the food, didn't like the team, and didn't like playing soccer at all. Well, that's disappointing. It is pretty disappointing. On the other hand, a report in uh, Globo Esporte painted a, a different picture of Kaiser in Mexico. Kaiser, still only 16 years old, reportedly had such a good time and was so charming around his teammates and journalists that some Mexican outlets suggested he should simply stay in Mexico and become a naturalized citizen so he could play for the Mexican national team. Okay. So two very different stories there. It was in Mexico, though, that Carlos Kaiser stumbled upon the on-field play that would end up making his whole career. You know how people have, like their thing yeah it's like the thing they always go to like like people talk about Aryan robin he's always going to cut in on his left yeah and he always does and for some reason it always works 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no stopping it. You know it's coming, but it's just so efficient and imperfect that... Which is so weird. The only thing that you can do is hope and pray that he takes a heavy touch or something like that. It's so it's odd like a coif turn. Um, the coif turn. Yeah. I don't know. Ronaldinho's Elastico. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody has that one go-to. That's Although, actually... Uh, well, it, like the flip-flop or whatever they like to call it these yeah. days. The um, snake. The snake. I've heard. Yeah. I don't know. There's I like Elastico. Elastico sounds cool. It just sounds nice. Blatantly, it sounds really Oh, yeah. Good. Absolutely. Best name. So, in Mexico, Carlos Kaiser found what would make him a successful professional f- football soccer player. Okay. I said football on instinct. Well, that's because in Mexico, it's football. It is football. But Correct. here in the United States, it's it is soccer. soccer. That's crazy how yeah. that works. Now, like I said before, he was always naturally gifted athlete. Um, he knew that in physical training and drills, he would always shine. And he, he was tall. He was kind of built well. He had that classic athlete's look. And so teams took that running with his kind of like the physical portion of drills and such. And that was the way that he showed the promise that caused teams like Playbla to sign him. He even played in a couple friendlies for Puebla. However, one day in training, he called for the ball, wound up for a shot. In his run-up, he swung his leg back and then cried out in pain, clutching the back of his leg and curling into a ball on the ground. It was a hamstring injury, uh, a bad one, a pull or even a a partial tear maybe. He would have to be sidelined for several weeks, maybe even a month or two, to allow his leg time to repair itself. And a hamstring injury, as with several muscle and tendon injuries in the leg, is one that requires medical work and little to no work at all with the actual ball for long stretches. You have to rest. Yeah. You just can't do anything. The hamstring injury was a lie. Okay. And it was a lie that the Kaiser would create a career out of for the next 15 years. Congratulations for making it to the housekeeping section of the podcast. Good job, you. You're a great listener. And we love you very much. Platonically speaking, and not in a creepy way ever. Not like that uncle that... Maybe we should stop. Maybe we should stop right there. Maybe we should stop right there. That's none of that. Adam, we have a new review. We got a review! Which is awesome. Um, Somebody graciously... Took the time to, to write actually a pretty lengthy review that we'll read really quick. Yeah. Uh, from Likeable45. He said, this show is so dumb. So <laughs> dumb. But that's what makes it so, so great. Only two people with no concept of filtering themselves can make this type of show, which is as delicious and unfiltered as the best hazy IPA. First of all, you'd be scared at how much we filter ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you would be frightened yeah, at how much true. we actually do filter ourselves listening to this podcast i do love good I- hazy ipa Ooh, hazy ipas are really good they're so good. i'm drinking an ipa right now however it's not very hazy not hazy just hoppy just a hoppy uh that's not all of the review uh that was just the first little paragraph this is an introduction yes continuing on on a more serious note dead ball brothers is a great show highlighting great historic soccer stories with hilarious commentary the snaverly brothers are enjoyable to listen to and their soccer stories are fascinating deep 
A+. They respond well to questions and interact with fans in a really generous way. Thank you so much, Likeable45. Thank you, Likeable45, even though you call us the Snaverly Brothers. It's okay. It's better than, like, Snivelli or Snavel. Snively. Snively. Do you ever get that one? I got that one. Like, substitute teachers. And, like, Adam uh, Snively? No. It's it's usually just Snavely. Snavely is a lot. Because they don't... It's a popular one, too. Yeah, they don't know that if they need to put the... The emphasis on the A. Yeah, right? they don't, they're not sure if the, yeah. the A is that that hard A or more of a an A sound. It's really just if you took sna- yeah. if you took shave, replaced the H with an N. Boom. Snave. 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 L-Y. Snaves. Snavely. Snave dog. Yeah. Yeah. Snave Aldino, <laughs> which <laughs> I was called by approximately three people in my graduating Heck class. Yeah, dude. Snave Aldino, bro. <laughs> Thank you so much, Likeable45. Yes, if thank you. any of you listeners want to leave a review, we will read it and give you guys a shout-out for taking the time to giving us a shout-out, which helps us move up the charts. I also love, I mean, like, like highlighting, it's a very, very, it feels, it feels good compliment um, when he's like, when he or she. We've been saying he. Yeah, don't assume. We've been assuming. Yeah. And, we're, and we apologize. Yeah. Yeah, that is actually terrible. Um, but likable when when they say uh, that they interact with fans in a really generous way. That makes me feel really good. Yeah. Because, I mean, I would hope so. I really want to foster that in a like kind of a community sense um, and make people feel welcome and like, you know, we have... Um, that, that we see them, that we see all the people that are listening to us and, and supporting us in, in some small way. Um, and hopefully we make you feel that way. And if not, I'm sorry. And let us know how, what we can do better. Um, that would be great. Uh, but thank you very much, Likeable45. We're all about fan service here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Nothing about the fans. <laughs> oh, man. Adam, we have some merch for sale? We do have some merch for sale. Probably a late holiday gift if you feel so inclined. Probably it a probably, little too it, it probably late. Probably a little too late holiday gift. If you're trying gift. to get it by Christmas, <laughs> it's but, not going to happen at this point. Uh, or Hanukkah. Uh, well, Hanukkah's already. It, we're in the midst of Hanukkah. Well, currently. yeah, but you could get like a gift for the last day of Hanukkah, which you is, could. I'm pretty sure New Year's. I mean Christmas Eve. You this could year. get them a receipt showing them the gift they will be receiving at some point in time. A New Year's Eve present. Classic. Birthday present. Deadball Bros apparel. We've got... Uh, funeral gift. <laughs> I mean, it's really... Sorry about your loss. Here's a shirt with a skull on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It works. It's topical. Yeah. Uh, we have plenty of stuff like the Loudmouth Tea, which is a graphic print of Deadball Brothers in like a little word font that I made up um, over and over again. We've got... The uh, the bonehead tee, which is a big the big Deadball Brothers skull on the back and on kind of the left shirt pocket where a shirt pocket would be. There is no pocket. There's a frocket. A little frocket. That uh, has duo stultai, which means two idiots in Latin, which is what we are. Uh, we also have the name of the podcast t-shirt and hoodie, which is a combination of our typeface and our skull. Um, you can get that in t-shirt or hoodie form. And we have the shirt that I am wearing at this very second. The Scatterbrain Tee, uh, which features a different take, a kind of like crazy looking take on the Deadball Brothers skull, along with a Deadball kind of graffiti style typeface, and on the front left uh, 
shirt pocket place, there is a Japanese character that means to apologize because we do that a lot. That's a that's a great spiel. Uh, you can find the link to our store, our Teespring store, in the description of this podcast. That'll make it really easy for you to get there if you want to purchase any merch. Absolutely. Bada bing, bada boom. We've mentioned previous in, in we've been other episodes that we've we have something teasing. exciting coming. And, and we're very close we're, to being able to share that. We're not telling you what the exciting news is yet, but we're getting close. We're that much closer. We are very hopeful that in one week's time, we will be able to actually say what it is, what yes. we've been talking about. Yes. Um, and in that time, we'll also be announcing some new content that we're going to be producing on the Dead Ball Bros channel. This show, um, the way that it functions, is not going to change. You're still going to get once a week of this. There will just hopefully be more content that we put out in a slightly different format. Yes, that, that's great. Yeah. And maybe we get an episode in New York when we're up for I would imagine that would be Christmas. the case. I would yeah. imagine that we can do that. Another, another classic New York episode. Yeah, to... Uh... Recording to the sounds of sweet sips of Genesee cream ale. I said that really creepy. You did say that really creepy. But we we opened this section with saying that we love them platonically and not creepy, and now you're making it weird. Well, no, it's like sweet sips to Genesee Brewing Company. I think we should get back to the story. Yeah, let's get back to the story. Yeah, let's get back to the story. story adam you left all of us in suspense a little cliffhanger because you said that kaiser faked his injury or lied about his injury he definitely certainly lied about his injury now there is a book and a documentary both of which have been released in the, like the last year or two about kaiser's career and in that book by rob smith kaiser gives the following quote to him, which is probably the most true sentence he has ever said about himself in his life. Life is marketing. And that's the way Kaiser approached the rest of his career. It sounds like he should write a book that is just titled Life is Marketing. Life is Marketing. Yeah. He would be good at it. I'm sure there actually is a book titled Life is Marketing. Probably. That's a safe guess. Everybody has a brand. Yeah. It's okay. Well, Kaiser's brand is is a heck of one, though. (laughs) After a couple months waiting around for Kaiser's leg to heal up and it not occurring because he just didn't come back from injury, Puebla terminated the Brazilian teenager's contract. And Kaiser went back to Brazil. After a year or two, he picked back up with Botafogo. He went down with a hamstring injury and was out for a couple of months. Eventually, they parted ways with the striker. He subsequently joined his other former youth club, Flamengo, He picked up a hamstring injury. He was out for a few months. They released him. The thing that made hamstring injuries so easy to fake for him was that the use of MRIs were not in existence. I was going to say. The technology wasn't there. Teams didn't have doctors. I mean, teams teams had doctors. But he was just like, yeah, my... It's my hamstring. I know it's my hamstring. I mean, like, and the doctors could provide tests, but the thing was that because you didn't have MRIs, you had no real imaging to yeah. see yeah. if how what a hurt hamstring looked like yeah. inside of a player's leg. I mean, doctors could work and do things on them, but they had to take the players at their word on like the pain that they felt, essentially. 
Please tell me that Kaiser got an MRI in like 2005 for his hamstring and it was like in mint condition. I'm sorry to say that I don't think he did, but uh, I would no. love that. <laughs> but doctors basically had to take players at their word. Like, oh, when I do this, my leg hurts or whatever, or, or my hamstring hurts. And so I was like, well, you gotta, I guess you gotta rest some more. We gotta do some more stuff on it. Like, we, could, we can keep trying. Kaiser was a specialist at getting people to take him at his word. As Brazilian great Bebeto once said, also quoted by Smith, his chat was so good that if you let him open his mouth, that would be it. He'd charm you. You couldn't avoid it. That would be it. Mm, love it. During this time, Kaiser also added a few more tricks to his repertoire of getting teams to sign him and value him as a player, despite the fact that he avoided kicking the ball and playing in games at all costs. Um, some of these included how he was known to get supporters to sing his name at games. He sometimes paid academy players to put in strong challenges on him in training in order to make his injuries look more realistic. What? Um, oh my god. One of my favorite ones. He was known to carry around toy cell phones, um, which were very rare and expensive at the time and pretend to have conversations in foreign languages no one else knew. Yeah. Or loudly turn down contract offers from other far-flung and prestigious teams. This would inevitably be found out. (laughs) One time, a teammate actually took his phone and saw that it was a toy. Another time, he was pretending to speak in English, which he couldn't speak, when a team doctor that actually was fluent in English caught him. (laughs) uh, Hello? Uh, Sir Sir Alex Ferguson? That's you? (laughs) Uh, yeah, sorry, sorry, man. Can't join Manchester United. But it was more like, hello, uh, McDonald's. Uh, <laughs> it was just like any English word that he possibly had ever heard of, like okay. in a nonsensical stream. <laughs> but Kaiser was so charming and affable and willing to move on that it would never seem to hamper his career. Um, in fact, he was such a pleasant presence in the locker room and person who knew how to lift the spirits of his fellow players that he could often prolong his time with clubs throughout multiple injuries and even had a dentist that would tell teams he had dental issues that would keep him out for a few weeks at a time. Hey man, I get it. Mouth pain is like the worst pain that you could have. And that's what... Probably outside of giving birth. uh, Well, yes. If we're... Correct. Putting everything on a scale. On a scale, giving birth up there at the top. Yeah, probably number one. Probably numero uno. Numero uno. Um, In addition to like the dentist thing, he would he knew that um, how journalists wrote about him was important, equally important to how people saw him and viewed him, um, not only in his own club but around the country. And so he would oftentimes act as an anonymous informant for a lot of journalists about teams and kind of slide them information so that they liked him. He would sometimes give away jerseys and stuff to journalists and all that stuff. This dude was just figuring out how to get everyone to like him as much as possible. Just a sneaky, sneaky Mm -hmm. little guy. Mm -hmm. I I don't know if he was little. He's probably big. No, he was quite tall, actually. He was was imposing. He looked like a target striker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So... But people loved having him in the locker room because he was he was so fun. Um, he he told all these stories and and took people out partying and and was just a person that people liked to be around. People liked being friends with him. Um, 
one quote, I believe, uh, also from Bebeto. I'm pretty sure. I, for, I forgot to write this down. Okay. But one quote that was there was, he would start to talk and he would get all the young players to dream. Uh, and I was like, ooh, wow. Mentor. Hit me right in the feels there, yeah. you know? It oh, feels, man. feels so kind of like a sensei type of, type of deal. He's like, I've accomplished so much in my career. <laughs> you guys can do anything you put your minds to. It was clear that in addition to his charm, the man had absolutely no shame and the biggest balls in the Western Hemisphere. He once claimed to be a part of the 1984 Independiente team that won the Intercontinental Cup over Liverpool, which we talked about when we talked about Rossing, Rossing Club and Independiente. Um, he claimed to be a part of the team with Independiente that won essentially the best club team in the world competition. Yeah. Pointing out the fact that there was a Carlos Enrique on the roster and saying it was him. But that was not him at all. It was an actual Argentine player who happened to have a similar name. Ah! <laughs> and he just said he was on the team. Yeah. I have a bone to pick okay. about saying that he had big balls. Because I think I'm over saying people have big balls as like an act of bravery or defiance or um, just like an incredible act of courage. Because balls are weak, man. <laughs> They are so sensitive, and I'm not the first person to say this. A lot you are of, not the first person. A lot to of say people this. say it, and it's true. And so I just wanted. I think most most notably, uh, Betty White. Betty White. Betty White yeah. once had that that immortal quote. Yeah, that's a really good quote. You guys should look it up. Yeah, sometime. you should you should see the second half of that quote. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it because um, my parents listen to this, but. Uh, you agree with it? I do agree. I with agree it. with it as well. It makes scientific yeah. sense. It really does. Look that up. Anyways. <laughs> Fair. He had no shame and just a blind confidence yeah, yeah, in his yeah. own abilities. Yeah. There, there we go. go. Yeah, there that's great. Go. That's perfect. Now, one of the most important elements to Kaiser continuing his career, however, was the network of Brazilian stars that he accrued and became friends with, whether by playing on the same team as them or, in some cases, by partying with them. Brazilian soccer in the 80s and early 90s was very, like, glitzy and glamorous. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kaiser took a liking to that lifestyle. He used his status as a professional soccer player, which he was. He was paid to be on clubs. He just never played. Yes. (laughs) And his trademark charm to talk his way into nightclubs, as well as, he claims, into the beds of over a 1,000 women. Oh, wow. That's a thing. He he says he he thinks he slept with... A thousand women. Ah, okay. That's one way of doing it, I guess. That's one way. One night at a nightclub in Rio, Brazilian national teamer Renato Gaucho was trying to get into a club. Usually not a problem for a famous soccer yeah, player. Yeah, The bouncer at the door, however, told Gaucho that Renato Gaucho was already inside. What? Eventually, Gaucho talked his way in to see the supposed, this supposed Renato Gaucho, and there was Carlos Kaiser, who bore something like a passing resemblance to the famous player. In reality, they didn't really look anything alike. They basically both had the same skin tone, and they both had mullets, and that was it. Uh, instead of becoming angry, Renato Gaucho and Carlos Kaiser became good friends. Oh, my yeah. So, so <laughs> Carlos Kaiser would go into nightclubs and tell people that he was Renato Gaucho. Yeah. Who was like Brazilian national teamer, yeah. a very famous Brazilian player. He played for Roma, um, as well as a ton of Brazilian clubs. And then when the real Gaucho found out, he's like, 
This is my dude. He was like, this is my guy. <laughs> Look at this guy. You're a good, you're an all right guy. <laughs> I like you. I'm keeping you around. <laughs> he, and he did. He did. Uh, so they became good friends and they were often seen partying together in Rio thereafter because basically Carlos Kaiser spent all of his time partying because he was constantly telling clubs he was injured. Yeah. And so he would go to clubs oftentimes with some of his famous friends and then he would always be like, oh, I forgot my wallet or I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get the ATM to work. He was always getting people to pay, pay for his stuff and all of these things. He was just a con man through and through and people knew and they loved him for it. I have to imagine that his life is pretty similar to the current lives of like second string quarterbacks or third string <laughs> quarterbacks in the NFL right now. That's fair. Is there, I mean, second string, a little bit of pressure. Third string quarterback, though, I mean, there's no pressure. You just get to go out and party. Yeah. You're still making uh-huh. probably, maybe not millions. You're but making a good hundreds life. of thousands of dollars. A, a clearly you know, a good life. A comfortable life. Yes. You can do probably whatever you want. And here's the thing. All the Brazilian players knew that he was a fraud. Yeah. Like, they knew that he was awful at soccer. They yeah. all knew. And they were like, this guy. We like keeping him around. <laughs> this <though>. guy. <laughs> oh, I love this guy. <laughs> oh, man. He became friends with many famous Brazilian soccer players. Reinaldo Gaucho. And then also Gaucho, who is not the same as Reinaldo Gaucho. Um, that's just, they were two different people. Bebeto, Alexander Torres, Zico, all these players that are around the Brazilian national team at the time and are massive names in Brazilian soccer, he becomes friends with all of them. That's awesome. Again, he was a really fun guy to hang around with, and that likability served him well. Soon enough, these players became part of Kaiser's career. When one club dropped him, one of his friends would recommend him to another club. (laughs) So one of his famous soccer player friends... Would tell some other club in Brazil, usually, most of his most of the teams he played for was in Brazil, hey, you should pick up Carlos Kaiser. He's my friend. He's a good player. And if it's like Bebeto or Reynato Gaucho that's yeah, telling you that, t- yeah. how are you not going to believe him? They're national team players. You, you don't know? have modern analytics? No. You don't, you don't have anything <laughs> like that. I don't know. I think that um, it's important to have those glue guys. Yeah. On the team. Oh, he was the ultimate glue he was guy. The ultimate glue guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, his his friends and his soccer friends specifically started calling him a one seventy one, which was a slang word for a liar or a con man, referring to Brazil's penal code number for fraud. Oh, so the huh. law that like fraud and, and yeah. con artists were were punished under was number one seventy one, section one seventy one. So they so they called him one seventy one. That was that was his nickname amongst them. Wow, that's a, like a actually pretty um, sophisticated nickname. I it guess. is because yeah. you have to have multiple levels of understanding. Yeah, to get it, that's cool. It is important to note that there were times that. Kaiser's brass very nearly got him into deep trouble. Such a time was when he played with Brazilian club Bangu. Bangu were owned by one Castor de Andrade. In Brazil in the 1980s and early 90s, Andrade was a dangerous person. He was the head of an illicit gambling ring in Rio. He bribed police, judges, and ran rings and the people under him essentially like a mafia. During one trial, 
53 deaths were attributed to Andrade and 13 other Rio Bicheros, who are these people that run the gambling rings. Um, and Andrade himself, at one point, ran out onto the field after a Bangu game with a gun on his hip to argue with a referee. <laughs> what? <laughs> How is this dude not in, like, jail? Well, I mean, it was kind of Wild West time. Gotcha. FIFA wasn't... I mean, because, like, it was only a year or two ago when that Greek owner... Came out in the field after a game with a gun on his hip. Do you remember uh, that? Yeah. That guy in Greece. And yeah. then FIFA straight up like banned him for life. Yeah. FIFA weren't doing that per se. Um, they were not looking or, or regulating a lot of these leagues as much as, as they were. Or even as had as widespread power as they Regulation did. and like the extremist of quotes. Yes. Quotation mm-hmm. around regulation. regulation. <laughs> yeah. Andrade was bad news, and he friggin' loved him some Carlos Kaiser. <laughs> <laughs> this dude was like, Carlos Kaiser is my guy. <laughs> Bangu, as a club, were very excited. They brought him in as like a star player. Look at all the clubs he's played for. He's played for Flamengo, he's played for Botafogo. He's played for Fluminense. We're going to bring in this guy. He turned down Manchester United. <laughs> he turned down Juventus. <laughs> he turned down everybody. <laughs> he turned down everybody to come play for us. I'm pretty sure he's turned down every single team on this planet in training at one time or another. <laughs> I'm not sure because he was speaking a language I don't understand. <laughs> Kaiser, of course, had gotten in with Bangu in his usual way, with charm, a wide array of clubs on his CV, and recommendations from famous players. Getting De Andrade to like him was all part of the plan. However, he probably hadn't reckoned that Andrade would be so involved with game time decisions. Andrade wanted Kaiser in the matchday squad. Um, he was like, "This is our star player." Yeah. Actually, there was a uh, there was a, a a magazine that or a newspaper that ran the headline: "Bengu has its king." When they Ooh. when they signed Kaiser, they were like. This guy, for whatever reason, they were convinced that he was the star. That he was going to be the piece yeah. for them. Yeah. And Andrade wanted his star on the field. He wanted him in the squad. Um, his manager assured him, listen, you only have to be on the bench. Because <laughs> Kaiser was saying, I'm injured at the time. I can't play. I can't play. Like I, I'm injured. I have an injury. And, and the manager says, listen, you don't refuse Castor de Andrade. You don't refuse him. You'll be in the squad. You'll just be on the bench. It's going to be fine. Yeah. And so Kaiser said, okay, fine. I can do that. I can Sounds be on the bench. good to me. <laughs> However, one game against Curitiba. Bangu surrendered two early goals. And Andrade himself had a radio directly to the bench from his box. Oh, yeah. And he radioed in. He wanted Kaiser on the field, and you didn't refuse an order from this mob boss. Yeah, Kaiser was the breaking case of emergency guy. Yes, you, you, and he broke the glass. <laughs> so Kaiser was sent to warm up. Oh, yeah. You can see the problem that Kaiser was in here. While at one point he probably possessed some soccer ability, he would assuredly make a fool of himself out on the field. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He knew that. He's going up against professionals. Yes. And he wasn't. He no. just wasn't. Yeah. Basically. He wasn't a soccer player. He just lived the soccer player's life. So, as Kaiser went to warm up, 
he began jogging around the end line, which happened to be where Curry Tiba's fans were stationed. They were yelling and probably giving the substitutes the standard abuse that team fans give to substitutes that are warming up on the side of the field. Um, it's South America, so it might be a little bit more intense. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. And that's when Kaiser saw his opening. He jumped up into the stands, scaled the fence that separated the fans from the field, and got into a fist fight with the supporters closest to him. Kaiser was given a red card before he entered the field of play. And he didn't have to play at all. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's genius. He gives a red card as a substitute. He just leaves. They don't lose a man on the field. Yeah. Perfect plan. Man. And Andrade is probably like, yo, that's my dude. Like, he's he's not backing down. Well, well. Oh. Andrade was understandably furious at the situation. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And after the game was over, he came down to the dressing room himself to confront Kaiser. And Kaiser, straight faced, claimed that while he was warming up, the opposing fans had been throwing vile insults about Castor de Andrade. Yes. Claiming he was a criminal. Which, reminder, he was. He was. He was yeah, 100% yeah, yeah, yeah. was a criminal. Was a very bad person. Kaiser went further, saying that Andrade was like a father figure to him. So instead of letting these fans say whatever they wanted... Kaiser had jumped into the stands to defend his owner's honor. Yeah. The story worked. Yeah. Caster de Andrade was reportedly moved to tears. <laughs> and he even signed Kaiser to a new contract for another year. He's like, my son. <laughs> yes! That's what he did! It's wild! He doesn't play anywhere. Literally, there are seven appearances on his professional record. He played for 20 years. Oh my god. Zero goals. He was a center forward. Yeah. He played for 20 years. Zero goals, seven appearances, no starts. Jeez. <laughs> it's difficult to tell how many teams Kaiser actually played for, especially since he has a tendency to lie about where he was. Um, and also, most likely, Clubs don't want to be associated with having signed a player that had blatantly conned them into playing, paying him for a few months for essentially no labor. Because he would, there would be all these times where he was with a club and it would just be for a couple months. Yeah. And so, you know, in a time before like Transfer Marked that was tra- tracking all of these things and these signings, it's hard to say. Yeah. He claims that he was with this French second division side in Corsica. For like eight years, and the people in Corsica are like, we don't remember him. <laughs> but it's hard to tell, yeah, because he wasn't doing anything else, and he was, by all accounts, out of the country. So he could have been playing for that French side, and maybe they just don't want to admit the fact that they had him for any amount of time at all, huh? As like a known con artist, yeah. Um. According to Kaiser, in addition to several Brazilian teams, he also played in Argentina, Mexico, France, and, interestingly, a stint for a few months with a team called the El Paso Six Shooters in Texas. Oh, yeah. He's probably one of the best players. (laughs) Uh, He didn't play any games with the El Paso Six Shooters. Not surprised. Uh, And he only stayed a few months because he couldn't take the heat. Ah, yeah. Unfortunate. Makes sense, honestly. Corroborating sources for these stints outside of his time with Puebla um, are virtually impossible to find. It's just like 
you have to take him for his word that he played in these places for a lot of these non-Brazilian places because there's just not much fanfare yeah. and records of it happening. <clears throat> or you're digging up s- stats and sources that other people don't have. Yeah. It's it's wild, though, like how many different teams he played for and how long he kept this up for. Now, these days, Carlos Kaiser, who is still alive, trains women's bodybuilders in Brazil. <laughs> okay. Which is a very, very random career yeah, shift. Yeah, seriously. He's enjoyed a resurgence in popularity thanks to Rob Smith's book and a documentary of him that released in 2018. And they're both of the same name. Kaiser! Exclamation point. The greatest footballer never to play football. Huh. <laughs> In a country full of soccer greats, Kaiser stands out uniquely from all the rest in his screwball conman career. As the man himself says, I wanted to be among the players. I just didn't want to play. <laughs> it's everybody else's problem if they want me to be a footballer. Not even Jesus pleased everybody. <laughs> Why should I? I mean, he's Jesus. That's <laughs> that's what we're getting out of this story. Carlos Kaiser equals Jesus. Jesus. Yes. That's it. Oh, and man. that's the story of Carlos Kaiser. Oh, my gosh. The king in Brazil. Jeez. <laughs> so this was 80s and 90s? Yes. Uh, yeah, his career ended, like, early 90s. Not surprised to hear him land on his feet and still be doing well in for himself personally and in the eyes of the public being a guy who... Like oh yeah, he's just I, I we, mean, like, like, we like him. I mean, a bunch of a bunch of people probably hate him. Like a bunch of like Brazilian club fans probably don't like him at all, or are yeah. pissed at him, or, or and stuff. But those but, yeah. with a sense of humor. Yes. Oh no, it's it's very much like <laughs> the sense of humor thing. Yeah. That was there's um, in the documentary. I watched like a bits of the documentary. I yeah. watched the trailer because I didn't. I couldn't find where to get the full documentary. Yeah. Um. But. Uh, I believe it was Bebeto. They had, they had all these interviews with like all these Brazilian soccer greats. That's so sick. Zico and Bebeto and uh, Reinaldo Gaucho and Carlos Alberto and yeah. all these people. And I think it was Bebeto who said, every time I would look, I'd see that he had turned up in a different place and I would laugh. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, they all knew. It would be like they, they were saying, you know, we would be doing, uh, basically they would be doing like rondos. Yeah. Uh, before before practice started, and they'd be like, he would just be running back and forth, sweating, and they would just tell him to get out of the circle. <laughs> like, <laughs> get out of the circle, Kaiser. Oh my Don't gosh. try. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, thank you for sharing that. That is a really awesome story. A I couple believe- a couple of sources that I am um, just just to just to cite my work here that I didn't obviously Rob Smith and his book. Um, Kaiser, the greatest footballer never to play football. Uh, 442 Magazine and, and Dom Phillips, a website called Football Bloody Hell and John Radcliffe. Uh, the Telegraph and Alan Tears, Tires, Tears, something. Something. And uh, a Brazilian, Brazilian magazine slash website called Global Esporte and Thiago Lavinas and Luba Dantas. Awesome. Are uh, uh, more, more sources that, yeah, I, that yeah. I have not mentioned. Um, That's great. But yeah, Carlos Kaiser. Carlos Kaiser, man. Carlos Enrique Raposo. Legend. A legend in his own way, yes. certainly. The a legend only in his own way. Yes. 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 I don't think I don't think any other player is gonna be a legend like that. Oh man. Yeah. 
Definitely not today. It's wild to think about. No, I mean, you have so... The, s- the only place where I can think of that happening is... Uh, I mean, not even... It, I, I can't think of it happening. I, I know that some, some frauds have come along. Yeah. Um, in in different parts of the world uh, in more recent times. Yeah. But I can't think of any place or any person that would be able to keep it up for as long as he did. Yeah. Anywhere ever. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not. Wild. No way. Wild to think wow. about. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> I'm glad that you told that story, and I hope that everybody else enjoyed it. Um, I think there were some good ones. I think it's a good story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how somebody wouldn't be able to enjoy it. Yeah. Enjoy the story. Yeah. Listeners. Thanks. <laughs> and please give us a five star review. And please star give us a five star review and write a rating for us. Hey, I mix those words up, but that's fine. You could write a haiku. You could Ooh, write yeah. a poem. You Classic haiku. A couplet. Haiku reviews coming back. Yeah. The high views. Just uh, do that. Follow us on social media at deadballpod. On Twitter and Instagram, Facebook. If you want to send us an email with a question, comment, concern, sarcastic remark, insult, that is deadballpod at gmail.com. Or if there's a story or some sort of history that you want us to look into and yeah. talk about on this podcast, because we've done that before. We've already done that from uh, our Knotts County FC episode was the completely the result of, actually it wasn't even a suggestion, like a listener um, suggestion that I say, oh, Knott's County FC. It was a, a question of who had the biggest point swing from one season to the next. And I was just looking at different seasons and I just found this story. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, awesome. So that's, that's, I mean, like, it's a lot of fun. We enjoy being able to interact with fans like that and people that are listening to the podcast. So if you have a question or comment or something, I mean, maybe it can turn into that. No guarantees, obviously, but. We, we like to be able to interact with you on that stuff. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> we love digging into the history side of, of soccer, um, and we're just happy that you guys are along with us for the journey. So um, any way that we can find those stories is, is cool. And, absolutely. And unique. Um, so, yeah, um, I think that's everything. Should I think we... that's it. So until next time when we probably are pronouncing lots of different names and, and cities wrong, My name is Adam Whitaker-Snavely. And I'm Drew. And we love you very much, and we will see you in a week. Bye.